Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the guy over there. My partner is Greg Cott. And today, we are handing over the reins to our beloved producer, Alex Claiborne. Alex, I love when you get the mic. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's always fun to, you know, talk about music with you on the show. Yes. What do you got this week for us, Alex? Well, I got to do an interview with one of my favorite artists of all time, um, Shirley Manson of Garbage, and we talk about the new album from that band and the new season of her podcast, The Jump. You know, we knew how much fun you were going to have doing that. We were happy to see that one to you. Well, I'm very grateful that you guys did, and we had a really fun conversation. I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Yeah, and we are looking forward to hearing it. Alex Claiborne and Shirley Manson in a minute on Sound Opinions. Welcome back. Let's dive into this bonus episode here, complete with a drum roll, Alex Claiborne, <laughs> is Alex and Shirley. Thank you so much, Shirley, for taking the time to talk to me today. I really enjoyed the new album, No Gods, No Masters. Uh, you know, your ethos since the beginning has been kind of this, you know, it, it has always been somewhat political, but I think lyrically it's kind of varied on how specific you've gotten on those things. But I think this album kind of reminded me of like idols almost of <gasps> being very, you know, explicitly, maybe not ex as explicit as they are in some of their lyrics, if we're talking about um, curse words. But, you know, the idea that this is important, we need to sing about this, we need to tell people about this. I think it had just gotten to the point where my personal politics just spilled out into the record for the first time in such an overt way, simply because I had really gotten myself into a bit of a tiz. Um, you know, I found the political climate somewhat taxing and dismaying, and it just came out whilst we were writing together, and there was nothing I could do to stop it. It felt to stop it would have been inauthentic because... Um, I was having the same conversations in private with my friends and family as I was on the record. And I think that's the main difference from our previous records. Yeah, it was almost like you know, because I do think there are some songs that are more in the traditional kind of garbage tradition. And I really liked um, the segue of Uncomfortably Me and Wolves, those two songs kind of juxtaposed together where it, it's nice for me as a young woman to see and be like, oh my gosh, someone who I perceive as probably, you know, a super confident woman, like on stage icon, and she's talking about how she feels uncomfortable in her skin and like she doesn't like the way that her voice sounds and I'm like okay she literally has the coolest accent I don't know where we're going with this but <laughs> I, I, I hated the way that I spoke from the place where I was born and where I came from hated myself when she wasn't around I missed the way she drew her head back and left and I was wondering what made you want to sing about um, the, that subject matter, and then also this is going on. I'm sure concurrently these things are kind of ping-ponging in your head as you're writing. Well, 
you know, as I said, it's a very personal record. You know, I'm talking about how I feel about how I interface with the world and how the world interfaces with me. And so by default, you know, that the very, very personal side of yourself is pulled along whether you like it or not. All the songs are just aspects of my personal inner workings, you know. I also wanted to bring some softness to the record because it starts out pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think human beings are very complex. I don't know one single person who isn't complicated and complex and full of dichotomies. Not, I don't know one, you know. And yet we're all sold these ideas of, oh, that person's very sexy. That person's very angry. That person's very depressed. That, you know, and I just don't think that's how life works is for people I think you can be profoundly depressed and yet go out and really enjoy yourself of an evening and nobody would have a clue that you were struggling with your mental health you know stuff like that so I I always want to try and bring as much complexity to a record as possible I think it makes it far more interesting I completely agree and it I think it's refreshing for people every time they hear it that it's almost like when we think about social media presence and of course, you know, people want to show the trips that they're going on or the things that they're doing or what they're eating. But I think when you bring it back, kind of like with music, when you're honest with your audience and you're honest with yourself, I think that's when people connect the most to the material. And I think that was an aspect of this album that was really special, especially at this time when, you know, even though a lot of people are kind of out and about and hopefully vaccinated and, you know, still adhering to COVID protocols, being able to have that connection, even if it's just listening on your phone or listening on a, a vinyl album or however, you know, whatever method you're listening to, I think it, it really gives something extra to the audience that I, I think everybody needed right now. Well, thank you. That's really kind. I mean, we like to think so. We're very proud of the record and it, it, it was received so positively. We were quite shocked because when we finished the record, I did say, I turned and said to the boys, well, it's going to be interesting to read the reviews on this one. Um, and we really <laughs> thought we'd suffer a, a quite a, a large backlash, you know, because it's, a, as I said, a very outspoken record and it's not messing around. We're not holding any punches. And yet we were so surprised by the reception that's enjoyed and the fans are delighted. We're delighted. It's just, <laughs> it's, you know, to, to be a band together for almost 30 years, to be able to write a record that speaks to people um, is a triumph for us. You know, we feel really proud of that. And it's very exciting that we can still uncover something new in the music that we make. When I listened on Spotify initially, I, it came as the entire, so it came with the main album and then also the bonus material that you guys put out. And so you have a cover of Starman uh, by David Bowie. And then you also have a cover of Because the Night with Screaming Females, Love Them. I wanted to know why you felt like those two covers in particular, why you wanted to include them in this album and what those songs you know, are representing kind of in this era of garbage for you. We just think, I mean, this sounds so arrogant, right? But we just think they're really good. And we wanted yeah, more people. <laughs> we wanted more people to hear them. I mean, it was that simple. Like we did the cover version, the David Bowie cover version for 
Howard Stern. He was putting a compilation together of Bowie covers. So he, he asked us to do it. And of course, we were like, whoa, OK, this is intimidating. But how can we say no? Then we finished the, the song and we were so proud of it that we were like, oh, we want, the, we want all our fans to hear this. There's a star. And the same with the Screaming Females uh, collaboration. You know, Marissa Paternoster is such a star, an amazing guitarist. And her guitar solo on our cover of Because the Night is blistering. Absolutely blissful. It's so good. It's We've so had screaming good. females on the show and they're just like the best. They're so cool. She's the greatest. And you know, like I always think about Marissa because had she emerged when we emerged, if screaming females had emerged with garbage around that time when the, the climate in the world was so favorable towards alt rock, she would be a massive star because she's an incredible artist, great singer, incredible guitarist and a, a wonderful visual artist too. And just an all-round amazing person. And she deserves so much attention. I completely agree. And it's so funny because I do feel like there is an alt kind of like renaissance going on, like an alt-rock renaissance that I think isn't as communicated as well as it should be maybe by the music press or whatever. We love to talk about you know, all these different bands and just so many groups that are doing new and creative things in this kind of tradition of, of alt rock. And so I thought that was cool that, you know, you you were able to kind of give her a spotlight as well and, and to bring this cover to life because because the night is serious business. Like it's serious Smith. business, <laughs> yeah. Alex. But, you know, to, to that note that you just said, which I think is really interesting, um, the problem that we are all now facing as alternative artists is that we aren't supported in the same ways as so as as all the pop acts, you know, like so a lot of the music um, media cover all the pop stars because they know it's going to assure them of uh, hits and likes. Right. So they go for they support the most popular artists because that in turn makes them popular. And the problem is you then lose this whole swathe of, of really interesting stuff that's getting made in the underground, um, you know, like a band like Screaming Females. Um, and and it's it's sad. It worries me a little. But what is so great about when you suppress and oppress, there is always a counter reaction to that. And so, like you say, I think we are beginning to see a renaissance of alt music and guitars. You know, when you when you eradicate basically guitars from the from the from the radio kids start to gravitate towards guitars just automatically because they haven't heard it before. So it's always cyclical and I feel very hopeful that this generation coming up right now is going to enjoy a little more love than the last two decades of alt-rockers. Well, I do want to ask you about your podcast, which I've listened to a lot of the episodes and I just want to say it's beautifully done, beautifully produced. The guests that you have, illustrious, um, fantastic. You do a great job as a host. And I was wondering what brought you to podcasting and how is it being on the other side of 
sort of after so many years of being interviewed, what is it like to interview other people and other artists in that way? Well, this sounds, I mean, kind of cheesy, but I have to say it's one of the most spectacular things that has ever happened to me is to get to sit down with artists I admire and basically learn from them, you know. Um, I mean, what a privilege. And I never imagined, I never for one second entertained the idea of doing a podcast. It was actually Rishikesh Hirway from Song Exploder who called me up out of the blue and he had interviewed me for Song Exploder. I think I was maybe the first guest of Song Exploder, funnily enough. Nice. And he called me up and he said, listen, I'm putting together another idea for a podcast and I think you'd make an amazing host. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. I, oof, that seems like way too like grown up for someone like me. And he said, no, I really think you should think about it. Um, and so I spoke to my manager. He was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. You'd be an <laughs> idiot if you don't do it. And I was like, I don't know. I feel kind of uncomfortable. He was like, no, you're, you must do it. You'd be really good at it. You love talking to people. You know, you love learning do it. And I said, okay. And so I did it. And the first season was literally terrifying. I think I was close (laughs) to vomiting the first couple of interviews. Um, And then, you know, I slowly started getting better. And I think both seasons got Webby nominated and I was really excited. And then now we're on our third season and my guests are I mean, all my guests have been extraordinary. I have to say, I mean, I'm very lucky in that people know who I am, you know, so I do get to pick some amazing people that perhaps when you're first starting out as a podcaster you don't necessarily get access to you know Mm -hmm. I'm very privileged um but you know to sit with Patty Smith I mean who literally is has someone who has molded my own life in many many different ways not just as a musician or an artist but as a sort of a figurehead you know she's very important to me to get to speak with her was extraordinary David Byrne I was literally lovesick after I came (laughs) off the phone I got off the phone and I was swooning because he was so marvelous and so interesting and charming and I don't know I fell madly in love with him I I wanted to literally (laughs) insist that he become my best friend and I felt like that about all of them you know Rhapsody who I'm, I'm deeply in awe of um I just I loved her and I I just wanted to hang out with her all day long, you know, and Joe Talbot from Idols, who I adore. And yeah, I mean, Thundercat, my God, Run the Jewels again. I just, they're just people that I really admire and I feel like they come at things with a, from a different perspective than just wanting to be famous. Do you know what I mean? They're like, they want to do something with music that connects with people. It's different from showing off. It's different from entertaining. It's different from being, you know, liked and popular and successful. It's an altogether different thing. And yet they are all really popular and really successful. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not making any concessions to being, you know, trying to, you know, be popular. Instead, they're, the, they're absolutely themselves and they bring great artistry to everything they do. And yeah, what... Uh, you know, because I'm 55, right? As you get older as a musician, it's it's harder and harder to keep something switched on in your mind where you still remain in the game. It's so easy to go, oh, I'm I'm too old. Nobody wants to hear from me anymore. You know, oh, the young ones do it better. And yes, they do do it better, but you can do it differently as you age. And to have this experience in my life in my middle age to learn from all these artists has lit a Bunsen burner inside me. If, at the end of every interview, I kid you not, my veins are on fire. 
like they're vibrating because <laughs> I'm so excited and so full of inspiration and joy and yeah it's amazing it's amazing I'm got I mean it comes across on the podcast that you are enjoying yourself that you're present that you want to be there because I think sometimes people you know maybe they get kind of roped into something and they don't know what kind of a commitment it's going to be they don't you know and it seems like every time that I listen you come and you have your homework done you're prepared but you're also ready to go in a spontaneous direction if if that's where the conversation takes you. And I think that is most of the battle of, <laughs> of doing a podcast is that you have the opportunity to have these open-ended conversations about how they feel. And it's interesting because you talk to them about their own music in particular. And I wonder if as an artist, if you had to pick one of your own songs to talk about, but if you, know, if you were a guest on your own podcast, do you have a song in mind that you would pick that you would want to talk about? And, and why would that be? Oh my God, of course I do. I mean, any artist does, because every time you write something new that you're happy with, it's already taken you in a new place, you know? Um, but some songs more than others have an impact on you. I mean, there's never just one. So I always find their selection really fascinating because of course, most of them have like extensive discographies, you know, they could pick, they could have picked anything. But most of them are very thoughtful and they think about, you know, what the podcast's sort of uh, construct is all about. And they always come with a sort of fascinating perspective. But I think each artist always, as every human does, we all have growth spurts. And a musician's career is parallel to a human's, human's lifespan. And so that's what makes it so intriguing to me. I'm only happy when it rains I'm only happy when it's complicated And no, I know you can't appreciate it I'm only happy when it rains yeah. I also wanted to ask you about... Um, how your podcast affected this latest album that you guys put out. You know, how did your conversations, if, if they did, how did they shape the material on this record? Well, I mean, I have to give a big shout out to George Clinton, who, um, <laughs> who without doubt was one of the most fascinating interviewees that I was blessed to sit down with. What a human being, what a spectacular man. I was blown away by him. And anyway, I interviewed George and I drove away from the, the podcast studio to our music studio, which is just down the street. And I was thinking about George and I was, like I said, I was, my veins were full of him <laughs> and the band were playing this kind of weird stomping, like full on uh, kind of boots on the floor kind of vibe and I was like I've got an idea for this and I swear I think George Clinton teleported this idea into my mind and I ha I tell this tale of it's like a reimagining of Noah's Ark where I'm with George Clinton in, in a in a mothership and we come down from from another planet to earth and we invite all the animals and all the kids and all the old people and who and and save everything that's beautiful and divine. We we and and then we float off into outer space to start humanity all over again. And that is how the record opens with the men who rule the world. Now let's save all of the animals. Let's 
song basically speaking to power and I'm very proud of it and every time I sing it I think of George. Thank you so much, Shirley, for, for talking to me on Sound Opinions today. Thank you so much. I really appreciated it. That's it for this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. If you've got thoughts on this episode or anything we ever talk about, start a conversation in our Facebook group, or better yet, leave us a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. We want more listener voices all the time. To support the show, join our Patreon community, or buy some merch at soundopinions.org. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our new intern, Mary Bernthal. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott. Thanks for listening.